last week we were talking about John, the beloved, and uh, that story. He was trying to stop somebody from ministering that wasn't authorized, and uh, Jesus corrected him. So let's. Do you think John learned his lesson? Do you think he uh, made some transitions in his life? Well, let's see from today's story, from Luke chapter 9, the very next story. Let's see if John was learning his lesson. Verse 51 says, As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. All righty. John was known as John the Beloved, the one who loved Jesus. And in this moment, we don't see much love being expressed by John the Beloved. Quite the opposite. And he had just got corrected by Jesus. You would think he would have learned his lesson and had moved on and was ready to love, was ready to be kind, was ready to be humble as a child. But you can see there is no humility in John's character. Now, before we judge John too too quickly, let's go into this story just a little bit to understand, I believe, why he was so upset, ready to call down fire on somebody and on a whole entire village. Now, the Israelites prided themselves in their purity, specifically that they were Israelites married Israelites, so they were pure. They didn't marry outside of their people. That's how they functioned. That's how they lived in their families, and they passed on their heritage and their traditions, and that was a strong tradition that they had. You did not marry outside of an Israelite. That's who you married, and if you did that, you were considered an outcast. Well, when Israel was taken captive on several occasions, those people took Israelite women and had children. And those children became known as Samaritans. And that's where the Samaritans come into play. So they were half Jewish, but they were half from Babylonians, or they were half Assyrians, or they were half from another nation. And so that's why the Samaritans were put in their own villages, and they were put into their own towns, and they weren't allowed to come into Jerusalem, and they kept them outside because they were not pure. And so in James and John's mind, think about this now, Jesus is entering his last phase He's headed to Jerusalem. He's entering his last phase of ministry. And you know the disciples are sensing the importance of these moments. As Jesus is beginning to ramp up those those, uh, lessons and teaching them and investing in them. And you can sense from Jesus the moment's getting closer. And so he's telling James and John, we're going to Jerusalem, but I want you to make preparations And they're thinking, well, maybe he's going to choose this city or that city. And he says, I want you to go into this Samaritan village. And I'm sure James and John are like, really? You're you're going to go here? You're going to go to these people? All right, Lord, you just told me to be humble. You just shared with me the importance of being loving and caring. 
All right, we'll give these people a chance. And in goes James and John into the village. And they're here and they're like, lucky you, the Messiah, the one who's fed the 5,000, over 5,000 twice, the one who has raised Lazarus from the dead, the one who has opened the eyes of the blind, the one who has healed the sick, he has cleansed the leper, he has set the demonic free. Jesus is wanting to come into your village. Aren't you so lucky today? And they said, we don't want him. You're not welcome here. We don't want that Messiah. We know where he's going. He's going to Jerusalem. And we don't want Jesus here. So you can sense now, hopefully, the, the blood beginning to boil. What do you mean you don't want the Messiah here? He is choosing you. Nobody is choosing you. Nobody wants to be with you. You don't deserve the Messiah. There is no other rabbi that will ever come into your village. What do you mean you don't want him here? And the blood, the blood began to boil and the anger began to rise up. And, oh, man, how many of you have been there before? You've been there when you're ready to serve somebody, somebody who doesn't deserve it. And you've worked yourself up. Teachers, <laughs> those kids, don't they, don't they know that they're lucky? Don't, doesn't my boss know that he's lucky to have me here today? I, you know, here I am, and I'm, I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to be kind. I'm, I'm ready to give of myself. And you're not welcomed. You're not received. You're not cared for. You, you don't get that royalty treat, that royal treatment. The red carpet is not laid out for you. And now you've, the right bus, button has been pushed, and the straw has been placed on the camel's back, and it's broken, and now you, you let them have it. And now you can see why James and John were, were ready. We're ready to call down fire. Lord, we, we tried being nice. We tried being loving. We tried doing what you've asked us to do. We, we were humble, Lord. We shouldn't even have been in this village. But because you said go, we went and we, we came and we offered ourselves. But they refused us. Let's just do straw. Let's just take them out. Let's just call down you know, God hasn't called us to try to be nice. He just called us to be love. He doesn't want you to try to love people. He wants you to be love. He wants you to be kindness. He doesn't want you once in a while to show up and say, hey, I'm here and today I'm going to be nice. Today I'm going to be kind. Today I'll, I'll be humble today. No, he wants us to be humility. He wants us to be love. He wants us to have no limits because he had no limits with us. Freely you have received, so freely we can give. And James and John, they were just, they, their humility had limits. Their grace and their, their mercy had limits. God doesn't want us to have those. And you know what? We're all human. We all have breakthroughs. We all have triggers in our life. Things that, you know, when we're being nice, and yet when somebody says that, or when somebody does that, or when the boss changes the policy before vacations, or when your kids do that one thing, and it's those triggers that set us off. And it's that human nature about us. We have a human nature, and there's a reason why 
those triggers go off. Our human nature. Our human nature. It's like a crocodile. It lurks in the waters of life. Our human nature is just, it's there. And we're living life and we're trying to be obedient. We're trying to be kind. And that human nature is just lurking like a crocodile. If we're not paying attention to our human nature, if we're not working on that sinful nature, if we're not correcting it, if we're not spending time doing some tweaks and some adjustments to that human nature, if you're not careful, it will come out of nowhere and like a crocodile, clamp on your life. And it will make you do things that you never thought you were capable of doing. You'll say things that you never planned on saying. You'll have a reaction that you said, where did that come from? I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe I just wanted to call down fire and destroy some people. Where did that come from? Where was that at? And it's our sinful nature. It's our human nature that's lurking in every one of us. And I love what Jesus did in that moment. He rebuked that bad attitude. He rebuked that lack of love and that lack of humility. John, he just tried stopping somebody, and so Jesus corrected them. Now John takes it up a notch, and he wants to call down fire from heaven, and Jesus recognizes this is, this is not working, and he rebukes him. He rebuked him. And I want to tell you today, as we're kind of getting pretty close to the, we're going to be transitioning a time, uh, uh, kind of a theme. One more week, I'm going to be sharing on this idea of being a 24-7 disciple. And I've, I've kind of sensed this of character building. And this is one of these character issues, but we're going to begin to trans, trans, uh, kind of take a, take a turn. And we're going to be talking about the disciples as they were in action. And we'll, we'll approach that here in October. But as we're coming to a close of being a 24-7 disciple, as we're coming to a point where... You know, we can't deal with every character issue. I kind of are going to end these next couple of weeks with this idea that sometimes we have to use the power of no. Sometimes we just need to rebuke our, our character. Sometimes we just need to rebuke our sinful nature. If all else fails, don't forget you can still say no. Don't forget you can still rebuke yourself. And that's what Jesus said. He rebuked James and John that day. And I love Titus chapter 2, verse 11, and it says this, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. The Word of God says you, are, you, are, you have been taught to say no. Did you know that? Did you know you can say no? You can rebuke that flesh. You can shut it down. You can shut down that anger. You can shut down that lust. You can shut down that greed. You can shut down that laziness. You can shut down that anger inside of you. You can say no. When all else fails, you need to do this. You need to exercise as a disciple of Christ. You need to use that power of saying no. I, you can sense, hopefully, that 
that selfishness rising up within you to say, no, I'm not going to be selfish. No, I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be merciful. No, I'm not going to follow through with that thought. No, I'm not going to even think that thought. I'm going to shut that down. This is just a simple example, kind of borderline silly, but it was a real deal for me. I don't mind flying in a plane, but I know this. I do not like, or I could say I hate turbulence. And I've been in the planes before. This was years ago, and I would be fine. I, I process the information, and, and I try not to think about being, you know, thousands of feet up in the air and, and flying across. But the moment turbulence would come, no doubt, I mean, every single time, just, just a little shake. It doesn't have to be much. Just a little shake. It just... Just a little bit of feeling that turbulence, and I begin to process, we're going to crash. <laughs> this is it. We're going down. And, oh, man, my life has come to this. Oh, here we go. We're, we're going to die. You know, I'm starting to grab the, the, you know, the, the chair there, the seat that I'm in. And I finally had to say, okay, this isn't good. And one day I was reading this proverb from Proverbs 3, verse 25, and it just says, have no fear of sudden disaster. And I remember reading that scripture verse, and I said, like that scripture verse because it happens to me even on bridges. I'll walk across a bridge and I start looking over and I just start thinking the weirdest things like what would that feel like if I just fall over this bridge? I just get weird things and weird ideas when I'm around heights. But I love that scripture verse of Proverbs 3.25 and when I feel that turbulence now, I will remind myself and I'll shut that down and say, no, I am not going to live in that fear of sudden disaster. And it's somewhat silly, but it's really real. And it's really freeing because I don't fear that. I don't have that sense. I'm not, you know, hurting Tara's hand anymore, clenching her hand like we're going down. Of course, I love it now with Alexandra because she laughs. She's like, <laughs> she's, oh, that tickles my tummy. You know, and it really starts bumping up and down and she definitely puts it in perspective. Have no fear of sudden disaster. Sometimes you just need to tell yourself, no, I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to walk in doubt. I am not going to doubt God. I'm going to shut down those thoughts. We have to learn to tell self, you're going to stop it. And I know we don't like hearing that word no, but we need to work on that word no. We need to work on it. Now here's the thing that we need to work on. Because it's best when we see, as I mentioned, that crocodile, that sinful nature, when we see it coming. When we see our human nature coming our way, it's best to say no before it attacks us, before it chomps down on us, before it grabs a hold of us, before it sinks its teeth into our life. We need to see it coming. So I just want to talk about really, I encourage you today to have a good understanding of your human nature. I want to encourage you today to have a good observation of our sinful nature. And where's the best place to learn about your human nature? Class. Maybe take a psychology class, maybe a philosophy class. Maybe read a good book on it. No, it's the Bible. The Bible is the best place to understand your human nature, your sinful nature. It's the Word of God. Hebrews 4, 12 says, for the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Word of God 
gets right into your humanity. It gets to the core of who you are. The core of who you are, it's all revealed in the Bible, in the Word of God. You will find it. You will discover it. You will understand it. If you truly want to be the best crocodile hunter, if you truly want to have power and control over that sinful nature that we all have, find yourself in the Word of God. And can I tell you today, your biggest problem in life will not be your boss, will not be our economy, will not be the lack of money, will not be the lack of a job title. Your biggest problem in life will be person in the mirror. You, you will be your biggest problem. And the Word of God wants you to work in your life. It wants you to get into the Word of God so that you can understand why you think what you think. Why you say what you say. Why you, why are you contemplating doing those things? It's the Word of God that brings a life. And when we're not in God's Word, our sinful nature is having its way. It's doing what it pleases. It's, it's going where it wants to go. It's, it's thinking what it wants to think. And do you realize the Bible says our, our problem, our, our, step one is that we have a problem. Step one, the Bible says you have a sinful nature. You, you have a problem. And when you are not working on your sinful nature and you remain sick, then you're just infecting other people. You're hurting other people. Do you know your sinful nature is deadly? It is deadly. And I think in that moment, Jesus recognized that, John, you're not getting this. I was correcting you. But look, your, your sinful nature is deadly, and you just spoke it into existence. You literally wanted to consume people with fire. That is the... the it was an extreme example, but it's the capability of our human nature that it is deadly. And I don't worry about any of you killing anybody, but there are worse things than murdering. Jesus said, if you've spoken a harsh word against somebody, you've committed murder. Did you know that? In the Sermon on the Mount, he declared, he says, if you've, if you've said something that hurt somebody, you've committed murder. So before we judge the murderer, have we said anything negative about somebody? Have we looked at anybody and just said, yeah, you're going to get a piece of my mind? You, you, your human nature is deadly. And so I have to ask you the question, what are you doing? What are you doing about this most deadly creature that goes with you to work? This most deadly creature that goes with you to the store? This most deadly creature that goes with you to the amusement park? It's there. It's with you. It's lurking. It's a crocodile. But Jesus says you can say no. You have the power to say no to it. You don't have to live in it. And so I pray that you're in God's Word and that you're understanding the Word of God. I know this. Before uh, 2014, before our house was burglarized, we didn't have a home security system. We just lived without one. But that night, our home was burglarized in Utah the very next day. We had a home alarm system in our house. I hope there's something in your life that represents the awareness of your sinful nature. I hope people say, wow, you're, you're reading your Bible. You know, you're, you're in God's Word at break today. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, 
And not that the focus is the negative, but it is a part of it. It is a reality. You can say, you know what? I need God's word because I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I need his word. That's why I'm, I'm reading it at lunch break today. It's the word of God. I hope people can see that there is, there is a, an action on your part, an awareness that I know I have a sinful nature and I am working on it. I am doing my best to crucify that sinful nature. Now, our sinful nature, there's, there's, so, there's so many parts of our sinful nature. There's so many aspects to our sinful nature. I'm only able just to expose it, to let you know about it. But I want to encourage you today. There's, there's another application that I want to give to you to get deeper into your sinful nature, and that is being a part of a home group. Now, you can hear this sermon. I can talk to you. I can, you know, give you my best shot at explaining and hopefully making you aware of your sinful nature. And yet, maybe tomorrow you don't even read your Bible. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You can go a whole week and not be in God's Word. I can tell you as a whole bunch today and, again, just do my best. And yet, you're still doing nothing about that sinful nature that's inside of you. But a home group. A home group provides something that I can't give to you. A home group gives you an opportunity to give your life, to share your heart with somebody else. It allows you to talk about this message of your sinful nature and to be specific. And that's why when you walked in, you, you have those notes again. We did this last year when we, we did uh, home groups, and I'm going to be doing it again. There's discussion questions, so if you're in a home group, make sure you take that with you. If you're not in a home group, I'll help you to find one. There's some meeting tonight, some meeting tomorrow, and there's some meeting throughout the week. So hopefully we can find a home group for you. But a home group allows you the opportunity to be accountable. I've talked about this. It's another thing I'm going to keep talking about, it, the importance of accountability, the importance of looking at somebody else in the eye and saying, you know what, this is where my sinful nature is. Would you help me? Would you help me? Would you pray with me? This is what I think sometimes. This is what I say sometimes. Would you pray with me? And that's what that does. And I look forward to you women coming together uh, with your event coming up and getting to know diff different women in the church and having opportunity to share with them, this is what I'm going through right now. This is what's hurting inside. This is where I need help because there's so many things. And it's and not just our sinful nature, but next week I'm going to talk about our nurturing that we've received and our experiences that we have and all sorts of things that come at us. And there's all sorts of crocodiles that are after us. But when you are accountable, when you are in God's word and then you put your life in accountability, you know what you're doing? You're truly draining the swamp so that every crocodile is exposed, every harsh treatment out there, every trap, Every, every ploy that can come your way, it's exposed and you see things coming because your life is in God's Word and you're being held accountable. And the most important thing, and I'll end with this, is that you learn another important word, one that we like a whole lot better. Not just saying no to our sinful nature, but yes to Jesus. Yes to His Word. This word that I'm reading, not only is exposing the sinful nature in my life, but it's also exposing the purpose I have, the purposes that God's given to me, the skills that he's given to me, the giftings. Thank you, Awana leaders.
is, again, can't thank, thank you enough that you said yes to Jesus. Yes, I can teach. Yes, I can help with art. Thank you, youth leaders that says, yes, I, I can connect with a teenager. Thank you that you're saying yes to those things. You can say no to the sinful nature, but it's so important to say yes to Jesus. Yes, I'll give my time to a home group. Yes, thank you, worship team, that you were here yesterday. You said, yes, I'll give Saturday morning because I want to be ready to worship with my family on Sunday morning. We can say yes to Jesus. I'm going to invite that awesome worship team up to come up this time. We can say yes to his word. We can say yes to life-changing things, eternal. We have, I love what the scripture says, that we can store up treasure in heaven where moth and dust, they don't affect it. They don't take it away. We can know with a, without a shadow of a doubt that when we say yes to Jesus, we're doing things that won't be taken from us. We're doing things that will have a greater impact. Thank you, ushers. Thank you, security team. Thank you, sound booth. You're saying yes to Jesus and what you're doing are things that are helping others, that not just help them for today, but help them for the rest of their lives. You're saying yes to the Lord. Thank you, every home group leader that's opening up your home. Thank you. You're saying yes to the Lord. You're doing things that have an eternal impact. You're making us stronger. You're making us better. Would you stand this morning? We're gonna they're gonna lead us in another song. Lord, by the power of your spirit, would you help us to say no to our sinful nature and say yes to you, Lord? Speak to our hearts, Lord. Speak to our lives.